Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and crows with plumage envy eyeing free-roaming peacocks. Live from the campus of Michigan State University, it's Tea with BVP. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, BVP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. the diva of SLA. I'm the guy bringing sexy back to second language acquisition. Speaking of sexy, well, I lose the term loosely now. Speaking of sexy, with me in the studio today is my co-host, Walter Hopkins, who's sitting to my left. Walter, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Nice and chipper today. I love that. And Angelica Kramer, the co-host, is joining us once again remote from Germany. Angelica, say hi to everybody. Hello. Herzlich willkommen aus Stuttgart. Yeah. Is that where you are, Stuttgart? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were in Berlin. You moved, huh? Oh, I moved. Oh, my gosh. Checking out all of Germany right now. God, girl, you get around, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, Angelica, we miss you. I want you to hurry home. I have to you know, it, uh, Walter's driving me crazy here in the studio. So if you don't come <laughs> home soon, you know, I'm going to, I don't there may be no Walter left. The feeling is mutual, just so you know. You know, so you I talk, really would love for you to come Look back how he to talks Angelica. to me. Look how he talks to me. And this is our month, <laughs> this is our month anniversary, everybody. Our month anniversary. Oh, this is our, did you know nice. this is our month anniversary? I guess I, like I didn't it. realize. We have done four shows. We have done four episodes. So this is our two, fifth, right? So we have we have just passed through our month of rest. What would you get me, Walter? This lovely bottle of water along with a nickel. I got you a wine spritzer. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Okay. I don't know. What am I going to do with you two? Jeez, Mary and Joseph. Okay. People start looking at Craigslist. There may be an ad up soon. Anyway. Um, we had a great show last week. Uh, I think everybody remembers that we had some really good conversation. And uh, we want to give a shout-out to um, Lance, who called in and won the SLA Challenge. We'll be doing that again today, so mark that down, because you're going to want to call in and take the SLA Challenge quiz to see if you can win a prize from us. Lance, I hope you're listening again today. Um, and Lance and Emma now are battling out to be number one fans. Do you guys remember that? I sure do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So have you, have you given out the title yet, or? No, no, we're going to we're going to competition. Gonna, I don't know. I'm hoping that somebody else will step up now so it's a three-way. I mean, you know, three ways are the best, you know. So Lance and Emma, you know, we're going to be pushing someone else to jump in the ring today. So you know, there might be three people battling for number one fans, but so anyway, so I hope Emma I hope Emma's out there listening and Emma, you're going to call in today and 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 take over for Lance. Maybe you'll take the SLA challenge quiz and see how you do. Um, before we go on, I don't want to forget, we have a very special announcement about next week's show. Does everybody know what next week is? Do you know where we're going to be next week? Actful! Actful, the annual, here. annual Actful meeting, which is going to be held in San Diego this year. And in honor of uh, all of us travel there, uh, Daniel will be there, Luca will be there, myself, Walter, Angelica, we're all going to be there. Um, and so we will be in San Diego, and we will be broadcasting live from the annual ACTFL meeting in San Diego. So we're real excited about that. Um, what's important for you all to note out there, and this will be on our website and in our newsletter to remind you, is that we are moving our broadcast for one and one time only to Saturday, November 21st, at 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific time for you Californians and Seattleites. Um, again, this is a one time only because we're going to be at Actful and we'll all be traveling on Thursday, so that's why we can't do it on Thursday. We'll all be in the air or just arriving in San Diego. So, so please join us live that Saturday. Again, Saturday, November 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time. It should be fun. And if you're there, we are going to be in the social media lounge of Actful. I don't know exactly where that is. Anybody know where that is? Has anybody looked at the map yet? 
Um, if you don't know where it is, just go to the actual map of where all the stuff is at the convention and find the social media lounge. That's where we'll be from noon on, on Saturday, no uh, November 21st. Come by and participate live in our show because we won't behind a, be behind a glass booth. You can actually wa walk right up to and ask us a question, right, Walter? That's right. Yeah. Just like we did at Michigan World Language, we'll be doing the same at the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Language Conference. So we're excited to have some new guests join us at Actful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so please do that. Um, our topic for today, we got a great topic. Well, do you remember our topic? Angelica, do you remember our topic? See if you remember. How good's your memory? No? It's nine o'clock here, and I've had too many wine spritzers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> People start looking at Craigslist. Okay, well, do you remember what the topic is? I do remember what the topic is today. The topic is uh, if explicit teaching does anything or not. So Yeah, something like that. It's, it's, so, what, what does the, it do, what if the, anything? Exactly. What does explicit teaching do, if anything? That's our topic. And I know that top, topic's going to generate a lot of, of excitement. Um, and so we want to be taking your calls at 517-884-4321. Um, Again, that's 517-884-4321. Uh, we don't only want your questions. We want your comments on them. So what do you think about this topic? Not just Don't just be calling me because you think I'm Dr. Freud and I'm here to answer your questions. Um, so we want to hear what you have to say. So call in with your comments as well as your questions. Grab your cup of tea, grab your coffee, grab your martini, or grab your wine spritzer if you're Angelica, <laughs> and give us a holler on the phone. Um, please don't tweet me because I can't read tweets and talk to you at the same time. So please, I want to. No, 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 not I want to. I need, I need to hear your voices. I need, I want you all to think of me on a desert island all by myself, shipwrecked. I'm a castaway. I have no interaction. I'm naked in a loincloth like Tom Hanks in that movie. I'm talking to a damn volleyball. So if you don't call and talk to me, I, I, all I have is Walter here in the studio with me. And so it's like talking to a volleyball. I need you all to call and talk to me. I'm ready to walk out the door talk now. To me. <laughs> I need Come you on. all to call and talk to me and, and um, treat me like I've been a castaway because I need your interaction. So please call in. And remember, we're pushing to make it to 1,000 followers on our newsletter by December, so uh, get people to sign up. Uh, we should probably have a fundraising drive and give you pr prizes for that. So have your co friends, colleagues, students, anybody else, go to our website, teawithbvp.com, um, and sign up for the newsletter. Again, teawithbvp.com. And so, oh, we got somebody who wants to say hi. Do we have somebody on the phone who wants to say hi? I believe we do. Do uh, we? Are, are, is our I'm caller getting, there? I'm getting a signal that somebody wants to say hi. Is there somebody hey, in the phone? It's Lance. Hey, Lance, from last week, you're calling to say hi. I thought, but La Lance, I'm so proud of you. You've you've uh, you've grown. You're no longer the mystery caller. You've you've uh, given <laughs> to giving true. us your name I'm, at the beginning I'm of the conversation. Going to own up right away this time. <laughs> okay, okay, Emma, you better be calling in, Emma, because Lance is on the phone already. Lance, are you in your car? Yeah, I am. Oh, my, no, I just think That's it's great. You are calling Tea with BVP from your car. See, everybody out there, if Lance can get on the phone in his car and you're sitting in the comfort of your office or in your, on your sofa eating potato chips, you can call on your phone to Tea with BVP. So how are you, Lance? Just be careful while you're driving, Lance. I'm, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm in a state where this is allowed, so it's fine. We actually, we have, uh, we're very, very aggressive drivers in Massachusetts, but we're in very much control. That's what people don't realize. Oh, my God. Aggressive, I, you, but in control. You know, I lived in Boston for a while, right? 
when I was working on, uh, on Destinos, because I was working with the right. WGBH. That's, I'm from California. We're very polite drivers. At least when I grew up, we used to be. And that is when, when I lived in Boston, is when I learned how to make right-hand turns from the left lane and left-hand turns from the right <laughs> lane. <laughs> I mean, because you've got to, right? You've got to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what's on your mind, Lance? You just call and say hi. Well, you're going well, to ta- give us a first comment? First of all, I'm glad you mentioned Emma, because first and foremost, I'm calling to retain my title as favorite person number 1B. You know, well, that's right, uh, 1B. I, did, I cannot take away number favorite person number 1A from Emma, but I can still retain mine. But I actually did have a question for you, um, given the topic of this week's show. Okay, Lance, go ahead. So, I'm talking about questions students have about language features. And I want to know if you think the questions students ask about maybe grammatical and syntactical features are a sign that their internal syllabus is ready for them to acquire what they're asking about. And then, in turn, is that license for us to go ahead and explicitly teach what they're asking about? Or are they just kids curious about the world, trying to find the place and everything in the moment, and explicit instruction still won't amount to much of anything? Um, ooh, that's a big question. I like it. That's meaty. Um, I, I, since you've, you've sort of given me option A and option B, I'm going to go with option B. I, th- I think the reason you get, because we get those at the university level too, not just the high school level. Anybody, anytime will ask how something works, it's because they are now reflecting on things. And that's just what adults do. I mean, the same thing, like when you look up at the sky and go, why is the sky blue? It's not like the first time you notice the sky, right? The sky's been above you the whole right. time. Right. If I look at Walter, why does this look like a volleyball to me right now in the, in, in the studio? I mean, why? I mean, it's like I see Walter every day. It's, but now I finally notice he looks like a volleyball. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to call him a Wally volleyball. Shaking my head. No. I'm so, shaking my head. So, 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 so what happens is people finally notice something about something they already have cognition of, uh, some underlying cognition about. Um, so it could be that the questions are not about what they're ready to acquire, but about something they've already acquired or about something they've already sort of internalized and it's now kind of percolating to the surface. We see this all the time when we teach linguistics, for example, and we give examples to students in class and they're native speakers of English and they're native speakers of English and so you wind up up, um, giving them some examples and all of a sudden they go, oh, so that's why that's like that. You know, and then they realize something about English, even though they've been native speakers their whole life of English. So I I don't necessarily think, in fact, I, I don't think at all that questions about language from students or about a signal about what they're ready to acquire and what's good for them and things like that. I think it's just healthy intellectual curiosity because they can now objectify language when up until now they haven't objectified language. That makes sense about objectifying language? Making language an object of inquiry as something that you just, instead of something you just use, learn? It does make sense, but then what is the uh, role of explicit instruction in that situation? What do you say? Uh, I, I always answer my students' questions. If it fits in the time frame of class and I've got time to do it, I answer my students' questions. I think everybody should answer the students' questions. I think we should encourage um, intellectual curiosity. Um, but you... I do think that the difference between, um, I know you, you talked about the TPRS people last week, and there's this strategy or technique they use called pop-up grammar, and it's when you give a very brief 
explanation of what the student is is asking, void of any technical jargon that most people don't understand anyway. But once you answer their question with that, then I'm thinking, okay, do some teachers think, all right, now I can teach the subjunctive because, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, no, I mean, you, you could, okay, let's put it, let, let's just back up here for a minute. You can teach anything you want anytime for explicit purposes. If you want people to have explicit knowledge, you can teach anything anytime because that's what explicit knowledge is. But in terms of actual learning language or language acquisition, you, you don't necessarily want to do that because, um, first of all, I'm not sure it does anything. I haven't even given my spiel on that yet because you called in before I did my little spiel, but that's quite all right. I'll, 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 I can give it to you in a minute. Uh, but, but answering questions and telling people how something works is not the same thing as, as, giving, them, as, as giving them stuff that they need for language acquisition. There's a completely two different things. And what teachers need to recognize is those are completely different things. Um, and so just because students may ask a question that makes you think, oh, they're noticing something about that, sub that, that verb is different, so it's the subjunctive. And I, now I can tell them about the subjunctive. And they'll learn the subjunctive. No. That's just a false conclusion. That's just a false conclusion. So that one doesn't fall from the other. Thank you, Bill. That was great. So where are you off to? Where are you going in your car? Interestingly enough, I just came from a job interview. <gasps> oh, my God. How did it go? Quite well. Excellent. You know, they could be listening to this show. I know. Maybe I'll just stop right there. and I'll <laughs> <talk to> you <laughs> Or your current employers might be listening to this show. <laughs> That's all right. Probably oh not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, good luck on that, Lance. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I, I feel honored now that you called in and while you're on the road, and, um, and that was just really, really nice of you. Um, yeah, well, so. I'll, I'll catch the, um, the recorded version later on today. So thank you all for recording that. Are you going to be in Actful next week? No. Oh, darn. So you could come and see us live. And you can not tell, this time around. And you can tell me if, if, if Walter really does look like a volleyball or not. Oh, I can't wait to hear what that's about. <laughs> oh, my. Here we go. All right, Lance, thanks for calling. Have a great trip and uh, or a great ride back home wherever you're headed, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon. And good luck on everything. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Lance. Bye-bye. Oh, God, that was Lance. We love Lance. Emma. He's creeping up. It's like 1A and 1A.1 now. He's, got, he's going up from B. <laughs> he's going up from 1B, one, one Emma. You better be careful. All right. Uh, we have, uh, oh, we already have another caller. Elaine is calling. Um, Elaine, are you on the phone there somewhere? We're switching lines somewhere. We're looking for Elaine. 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 Where's Elaine? Where's Elaine? Hey, hola, hola. Is this Elaine? This is. Hey, Elaine, this is Bill Van Patten. How are you? Good. It's very exciting to speak with you. I've been a huge follower way back in your Destino days. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk about Destinos later. Where are you calling from, Elaine? I'm calling from Chicago. Hey, Chicago. Let's hear it for the Bears. <laughs> so, what's yeah. going on in Chicago? How's your weather today? Is it as nasty as it is here? It's nasty, yeah. It's nasty. Windy and cold today, right? Yeah. So what's on your mind? But, you have a, what do you have a question about? Well, do you have a comment or a um, question? Or you want yeah, to yell at me about um, something? I or? Uh, have been teaching Spanish for over 25 years. So I've kind of for you. been around and seen lots of the trends and um, did grammar drills just like everybody else with the same results. Uh, kids couldn't speak the language. Um, I now teach 
both uh, high school and adults, and I have been very successful using TPRS and pop-up grammar. So the kids get all the grammar right in the stories that we do. And when they ask questions, and, and they don't ask that many, but all of a sudden a light bulb will go off and they'll ask why this or that. We answer it and we move on. And then I'll kind of make a mental note and make sure that I include that particular grammar structure over and over again and kind of make eye contact with that particular student. And it's like, whoa, yeah, I totally get that. Um, occasionally a little bird would pop on my shoulder and I would try to do some explicit grammar thinking like, oh, here's what we need. And it just went over a glazed eye. It just it didn't work at all. Um, the students love when there's lots of meaning, and when the grammar is attached to that meaning, it just makes all kinds of sense. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I, w I would add one thing here to the discussion, and I'm not trying to preach at you, Elaine, about this, but this is for everybody out there listening. Um, we want to make sure what we mean by grammar, okay, because grammar can mean lots of different things to different people, and also what we mean by explicit teaching, right? And by grammar, I mean the formal elements of language. For example, it, how, how we take language and we focus on form when it's devoid of meaning, right? Um, and, th mm -hmm. and that's that's what I mean by grammar, because some people out there who might be scholars of pragmatics or something will say grammar is meaning. Well, yes, it can be, but that's not always the way textbooks talk about grammar. And I want to challenge people out there, because I just talked about this um, uh, somewhere else, uh, that what's in textbooks anyway, it ne cannot be the things that wind up in your head. Okay, so the grammar of textbooks isn't the grammar of what's in our, our minds. So I would agree with you, and I would say that, I would say, for example, like, students don't need to know verb paradigms. What they need to know is how do you say, I write, and I sleep, sure. and I get up, you know, how sure. do you, what are those verbs? That's what they need, um, and that's quite different. So at least in terms of a communicative context. So yeah, uh, I'll say the most exciting thing that has happened to me in my career is getting rid of the textbook. It was the most exciting and scary thing at the same time. But what it allows is for you to teach the students and not have the book drive your curriculum. And so if your students are asking questions about certain features that, you're, that they're hearing in the language, that's where you go with it. And it's so exciting because you're teaching them, not a book. And that's how they learn. And, and, you know, I've been listening to your podcasts. I've been listening to all, um, what are there, four previous ones. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the, the piece that we keep missing is that most of us are teaching or starting teaching in high school or even lower than high school. But if we don't grab everybody in high school and give them a positive experience, we're doing what we did in the last 20 years. We're only sending off the upper kids that can tolerate or perhaps enjoy that explicit grammar textbook experience. And I always believed that all students could learn language. I quickly learned that was not true if I was teaching it with a textbook. Then no, everybody couldn't learn. But now that I've changed my, my approach, everybody can learn. You just have to be alive and participating in the class. And you learn, mm -hmm. you acquire, let me and ask it's you, fun let, and it's exciting. Let me um, ask you a question, Elaine, too. How, how are you assessing your students? Are you assessing them differently than you did before? All kinds of ways, um, but never with a fill-in-the-blank. There's never, or seldom, there's, if there's a right answer, it's a right answer because it's contextualized. You know, what's somebody's name? How old are they? Things like right, that, some right. details. 
Uh, we do lots of uh, retelling. We do lots of um, speaking. We do lots of writing. Um, we do lots of creative things so that there are a variety of, of answers. And so the kids aren't thinking about, oh, my God, is that a direct or an indirect object pronoun? They're just putting language in. They're just expressing themselves. And if they forget a pronoun or this or that, and it still makes sense, great. They've expressed themselves. They're talking. That's what it's all about. And it's very exciting when it happens. Um, I'm teaching at a new school in Chicago, and it's a school for kids with learning differences. They're all college-bound, and they're all bright. And they've all been told, don't bother with foreign language. You've got dyslexia. You've got ADD. You've got this. You've got that. And all of our students are taking Spanish with TPRS because they're all successful on some level. They're mm -hmm. all acquiring some language. It's very exciting. They feel so proud. And they would never be successful if we were doing explicit grammar. Well, I also think it's, 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 it's that and it's, it's be individual differences and in some learning challenges, for example, um, Absolutely. Should, shouldn't respond to language. They should not respond to language. Language should not respond to those things either. In a sense, it should make no difference, theoretically, because language, learning language is not like learning anything else. That's, that's been my point all along. Language is unique. It's special. And so those, what you're demonstrating with your kids, I think, it sounds like you're very successful doing it, is that um, when you treat language as language, then everybody exactly. can be successful because those differences between people disappear because those differences don't matter. They only matter when you want them to spell correctly. They only matter when you want them to read at a certain level. They only matter about all those academic things around language, but not language itself. And so I think that's probably And I think you're right. I think that, that language or foreign language in the past had a fight for funding and other things to be a part of the school system. And so I think they had to prove that they were an academic. And I think that has bled over. And people are still in the place where they have to fight and prove that they're an academic instead of, you know, people will make fun of, of Spanish class. Oh, you guys are always having a party. You're always having a fiesta. Well, you know what? We are. <laughs> because if you're not having fun, how can you speak? Who wants to speak in an environment where there's only one right answer, and you get cut off at the knees if you don't forget an accent, if you forget an accent mark or something. If we don't make it enjoyable, that's what language is about. Yeah. Well, I, think I wouldn't call you if I didn't feel like this would be a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm not, that, that's a different that's a different part of the puzzle. That's a different part of the puzzle. Sure. But um, but it all connects. It, it, all it connects. connects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think what it sounds to me that you're doing is you're generating a lot of enthusiasm in the learning process, which we want. Absolutely. What's, what's that expression? And, and the other thing that you keep mentioning on your show too is is educating people. And I can't tell you how many new teachers I've interviewed, and I would ask them about second language acquisition, and they thought I was from another planet. I, I don't get what's going on in college prep programs where they're really not delving into students' brains. And we know so much now about the brain that we didn't know 20 years ago. We know that everybody learns differently. We know that you have to account for individual differences. But we don't help people learn how to teach that way. We help people by giving them 
$150 textbook with all this fancy ancillary material and say, good luck. Right, right, right. And, and, and again, we could talk about context later. Maybe somebody else will call in a while and talk about a college experience because, um, you know, at the college level, we're often pushed because of the nature of what college is to be more on the intellectual academic side for various reasons, um, which leads me to the topic, a question I think important for us to address. I'm not suggesting we do it right now, but if people want to call in about it, the, the question is, can languages be taught communicatively and can communication be a serious goal of language courses at the university level, for example, what what are the what do those environments do to that kind of stuff? But again, that that's that's a separate issue, but related to this idea of what does explicit teaching do, if anything, for language acquisition. I'm getting the signal here that we need to move on, Elaine. Sure. So I'm going to All right, thank you to so you. much for calling in. Thank you for um, calling, Elaine. Adios. Thanks. Bye, Elaine. Thanks for representing Chicago. Okay. All right. Bye. Be good. Bye now. All right. Um, okay. So again, our topic for today is um, what does explicit um, teaching do, if anything? Uh, again, by explicit teaching, we're talking about um, teaching grammar, teaching people verb forms, teaching verb forms, how things work, teaching, you know, you insert do and flip it with the verb to make a yes, no question, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there are lots of issues on this topic, and we may have to uh, have several shows. In fact, maybe we'll just extend the show to next week to it actful because I think it's a hot topic. Um, but what I want you all to think about out there before we take our next caller is um, most people tend to think of explicit teaching and practice as something that's beneficial to language learning. But there is some research out there that also shows that sometimes explicit learning and teaching can hinder or retard acquisition compared to people who don't get it. Um, so we might want to talk about that at some point when you call in. So um, again, our phone number here is 517 884-4321, again, 517-884-4321. We've got another caller, I think. Uh, who's on the line here? Is this TJ? TJ, are you on the line? Where? Hello, TJ, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. Hey, TJ, it's Bill Van Patten. How are you? Hey, I'm doing very good. I've, uh, I've got a question that, that's really pressing me about, uh, about learning grammar and learning language. It's pressing you, huh? It's weighing on you like, like, the, like the stars on Atlas's shoulder, huh? <laughs> like, a, like a ton, like a pound. It's pressing me down. I'm Like you can pancake. barely get out of bed in the morning because this thing is just hanging around your neck, right? So my question is, do you think the teaching of grammatical rules discourages students from picking up a second language. I mean, what's the deal with grammar when you can just yammer? Am I right? <laughs> Not quite, but yes. I, I wouldn't totally agree with you on that, but, but sort of yes. Um, okay, to answer the, the, the first, the actual question you asked, which does all that ruling discourage students, it discourages some, if not many, because um, you wind up It with discourages rebellious kids like me. I mean, I don't know if I can keep up. Right, right. So it might, it might discourage people because what is, what is you're hoping to get out of German? What is it you want to get out of German? I think I pretty much want to dominate the world as much as I can, you know, gain as much power. And one more language, that's one more type of power I can gain. Okay, but that, in order to do that domination, what do you want to do with language? 
oh, just have nice conversations at the coffee shop. I mean, I'll be honest, I have smaller goals too. Okay, but but the point is, you, you're 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 taking German because you want to actually be able to speak German someday, right? Or communicate in German. That is or, my yeah. hope and dream. That's what I think of every night. Yeah, and so <laughs> if if that's your goal, if that if that's the goal while you're sitting there eating German potato chips, um, yes, then not German potato chips. I have standards. No, no, no. No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> American only. Use me, TJ. <laughs> wow. I think this call needs to. Wow. I think we need to move on. Seriously, German potato <laughs> chips are the most superior potato chips ever. I didn't even know Germans ate potato. Do Germans eat potato chips? Of course hey, we do. There are some German things I like, such as their uh, attitudes. I can I can jive with that. Well, let me tell you, Angelica has a lot of attitude. And she's got a big <laughs> smile on her face right now. So. Angelica has a lot of attitude. Let me tell you. You just so. redeemed yourself, TJ. <laughs> you may actually, continue. You know what? Hold on. Just one more thing. I was actually talking to a friend, and he was saying that he felt like he learned a lot more German just from talking to people than from all the grammatical, you know, rules and all that stuff. I mean, what, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, that's certainly possible. Depends on what you mean by what you think you learned. But, but, but let, let's, let's, step, let's just step back here and pack some of the things you've said. Um, so sure. going back to the business about turning people off with rules, that's, that's true in a lot of cases. Um, but people are also conditioned. Many people, because we experience this all the time, TJ, when people come into our third semester classes, for example, here in Spanish. Um, oh, of course. Where they come in from another environment, they place in, they don't do our 101 and 102, which is first and second semester for those of you who aren't at MSU. And they um, come in and they want to know where all the rules and the worksheets are. And they feel, I haven't learned any new tenses this semester and all this kind of stuff. You know, and they come into Walter and they might make a complaint and Walter has to sit them down and say, um, you know, I know I look like a volleyball, but let me explain to you how this works. So he says, you know, let's talk about what you couldn't do and you can do now. Let's talk, and, 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 and he walks them through what they've learned. They go, oh, I have learned something. Mm-hmm, but they're, mm-hmm. they're so conditioned to think about this, that. Then they get discouraged in classes like ours because they're not getting the grammar. They're not getting rules because somehow they've been conditioned to think that that's how you learn language. So we get two classes of people. We get people like that and we get people like you, okay? Now, yes. um, so, so, that, so answer the, your question, the answer to your question is it depends on, on the student, what, what turns them on and what turns them off. Now, um, the, when it comes to actual proficiency and communication, there are two schools of thought that learning grammar helps and learning grammar doesn't, okay? And I'm going to argue the case that learning grammar doesn't help. Because the, I like that. The, I like where you're going. Only because of the following is that I'll say this. I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. That I work with a particular right. theory of language, okay, and a particular way to look at communication and the interface between language and communication. And so for me, and this is not true for everybody out there in, in second language research land, but for me and a lot of people like me, the stuff that winds up in your head cannot ever be the stuff that comes out of textbook pages. So the rule you learn, let's say you learn a rule for German like verb second, right? So the verb has to be in the second place, the finite verb has to be in the second place in the main clause. I'm is, usually is this in, right, Angelica? in life, right. but all right, sure, I'll right. go with that. Okay, but then, but then, uh, but then the, and, but then in the, uh, in the, in the embedded clause, the finite verb moves to the end of the sentence, right? Okay, right. Th- there's a principled reason for that that has nothing, that, that rule is not a rule. It describes something about the way features work in language that cause a verb to move or not to move, to move okay? Yes. And so, and, and that stuff, that with the representation you're, not, you're gonna get in your head cannot come about through that rule. It can only come about by getting data about German from the environment that then is converted into stuff that your mind can use 
to actually create the grammar. I mean, th there's just no way around that. And so, um, so the argument I always make to people is if you have a principled theory of language, then you would understand that textbook rules cannot become rules in your head. And if they cannot become rules in their head, you have to question what they do. Um, now, that's just a theoretical stance. There's research about this kind of stuff out there, too, and we can talk about that later. I don't want to take up all the time right now on that. But, but I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, TJ. I understand your frustration. And, and oh, it's thank not, God, it, finally. It, I have an it, ally. It's, not, it a really it's not a matter of just speaking and you'll get it. I mean, we don't want to be that simplistic either. Language acquisition is very complex. It really is. But we can start with the idea that it may not come from learning rules. Okay? Um, and, and I would actually argue it doesn't. But... but because I'm a scholar, I have to hedge. I have to give my other colleagues out there some wiggle room to, to, to argue with me. So I say it may not. Well, yeah, no, well I really appreciate what you're getting at. Is it Pat? Am I right? I'm sorry? Is your name Pat? No, Bill. Bill Van Patten. Bill, oh, okay, okay. Well, uh, you really fit the you bill. Just, you, you, can just call, you, just, just you can, you can um, just call me the diva of SLA if you want. I appreciate you giving me permission to break the rules. I, I'm not giving you permission to break the rules. I'm giving you permission to throw out the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you go because I think we have some other people who want to talk to us about some of the same I, issues. I so. really got to go, but uh, thank you so much. Thanks for calling, okay. TJ. Right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay. Cheers. Okay, um, we've got some uh, other people online, do we? Um, do we have any names to go with people online, or are we going to just uh, find out who we have here? Is this like I'm going to put my pole out in the water and see what fish I get? Is that what's going on here? Well, it looks like we have a class. Did a uh, class call that's in? That's calling in we here from, class that called from in. Michigan How cool State is University. That? They're a uh, graduate level class, and they're calling in, and we'll have a few different people talking to us. So, uh, German grad class here at Michigan State, are you on the line? We're actually an undergrad class. Oh, it's an on undergrad line. class. Okay. Oh, coolness. I love undergrads. Okay, who am I talking to? Who is this? Carly. Hi. Hi, Carly. This is Bill Van Patten. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing just perfect here. So hey, what can Carly, we do for you? Can you turn down the sound in your classroom, maybe? Yeah, I'll step outside and I'll have the students come into the hall <laughs> to ask their question. Was TJ in your class as well? Or was this a different TJ? Um, I don't know. And I, I don't uh, we're all we were all trying to get through, so I think it just got confusing for a minute there. Okay. All right. Whatever. That's okay. We were happy to talk to TJ. He was nice. Okay. Good. Uh, we have Chris here who's going to ask the first question. It kind of relates to last week. All right. Is uh, Chris there? Yes. Here he is. Where's Chris? Hello. Hey, Chris. Hi. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? This is Bill Van Patten. What's up? Oh, I'm not, uh, not too much. It's uh, just kind of a nice, uh, refreshing change from the uh, normal class period. Not saying anything wrong about the class period. How you it just is, did. But. Oh, my God. Oh. Are you in trouble? <laughs> oh, my God. Are you? In, and, you know, this is recorded, too, so it's not like you can wiggle out of that. <laughs> yeah, it's recorded, and it's being heard live by my professor right now. So okay, there you go. We'll see how this goes. Uh, well, I guess I'll get to my question here. Um, uh, I've heard in other countries that they don't have, they don't give grades for their classes. And uh, I was wondering what would be a good argument for, you know, changing the system, you know, as the system is now where there are grades, what would be a good argument for changing it to this no grade system? Um, what we, um, what we uh, have argued in the past is that because of the nature of language acquisition, you can't grade it because people work at different paces. Um, they're uh, the the 
acquisition of language is not an accumulation of facts. It's not something you can spit back. Um, uh, you can test it explicit if you want, but then that's not language learning. So there's, there's all these reasons we've given before. Um, and then when it comes to measuring communication and your ability to use language, um, that again, you, you have um, a narrow range of possibilities for people at a given level. So you can look at anybody in a second year class, for example, and you can figure out these are probably novice, high, intermediate, low people. And they're going to talk like this. And some will do it a little bit better than others, but not a lot. And the variations are going to be there, uh, but they're not going to be worth grading because if Walter and I are both in the same class, okay, so he's a volleyball and I'm a basketball, and basketballs are better than volleyballs, right? Okay. Of course. So, so, um, so I'm just slightly better than him. Am I going to get an A because I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I use a few more verbs than he does? I mean, this doesn't make any sense when we both can complete the task and get it done to the same degree of satisfaction for the person on the other side of the table from us. So, so those are all the, the, the basic reasons why we're talking about grades don't work for us. Yeah, so basically, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking at assessing the knowledge that a student knows about a language, and it's a lot easier to do that because they can, they can easily fill in a blank and say, yep, this is, I, I'm, able to, I'm able to spit back the knowledge that I've learned. But it's a lot more difficult for, for one to assess the level of proficiency and give a grade to that, to, to, that, to quantify that. So. Right, right. Um, and that's why when we do our, for example, in our classes here, when we do what are called the can-do statements, which are, we now use in place of, of formal testing, it's basically a 2-1-0 system. Two means you did it, and you did it well with ease. One means you did it, but you struggled. And zero means you weren't there, or you just couldn't do it at all. Um, and that's really the range of things we're looking at for that level, um, because a 101 or a, two, a 201 student is not the same thing as a graduating senior who has a major and lived abroad. So we would use different metrics for that person who knows more language, for example. So, but again, so it, it has to do with both the nature of language, how language is acquired, and how communication is acquired. Um, and those things are not quantifiable in, in a grading sense. I mean, there's no such thing as Walter's a 98 in speaking and Bill Van Patten's an 88 in speaking. That just that doesn't that's not going to make sense in, in right, that makes sense. the way we the way we measure these kinds of things in real life anyway. Does that help? Yeah. Yes, that helps a lot. Thank you. That cleared that up. Okay, Chris, we're going to have you. We're going to enlist you to be one of those people who goes out there and, and helps to uh, to make us um, get this the, try to figure out some policy by which we can we can get classes. The grading All right, systems definitely. Change. I'll start some grassroots campaign. There here you go. Just a second. Yeah, feel the burn, as it were. Okay. Except right. there are other yeah. people there. Born like feel the bill, but go ahead. Sorry, Chris. Are there are there others there uh, in your class that are hoping to to say hello here for a moment? Uh, or are hello? you the, are you the oh hello? I guess I think we have a moderator. Is that Carly again? I'm sorry. Is this Carly again? Is it cloudy? Carly. Carly, no, sorry. <laughs> so sorry. I know it's cloudy. No, I, I, I live here. I may, I may be in a studio, but it was cloudy walked in. I know it's cloudy. <laughs> Is this Carly on the phone? <laughs> Lindsay, what's your question? Uh, oh, this is Lindsay. Yes. Okay, Lindsay. What's your question, Lindsay? What do you want to talk about? Um, my question is, does explicit grammar instruction work better with older students? And if so, at what age does that start to apply? Explicit grammar doesn't work with any age. Great. For language acquisition. For language acquisition. Now, with that said, let me say the following. What explicit grammar does do for some people is it makes them feel better about what they're doing. 
right? Okay. So some age groups may feel better about what they're doing if they have they feel they're in control of something and they and they can, you know, get something explained to them, but it's not going to help their language acquisition any. Um, so okay. age age is unrelated to the role of explicit as far as. I know, I could be wrong, if there's anybody out there listening and they know research on this, let me know. But as far as I know, no, and there's no theoretical reason why age should make a difference for explicit learning, because theoretically, explicit learning shouldn't do much anyway. So, okay. Again, explicit, explicit learning, explicit grammar instruction can certainly help you learn some, have some knowledge, information about language, but, but in terms of developing the proficiency is, is I think, what, what Bill's addressing here. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Because you can learn lots of knowledge. Again, you can learn lots of knowledge about something, but putting it into practice, actually using language for communicative purposes is very different than knowing uh, a lot about language. So, Right. How's that for an answer? That, that was a very straightforward answer. Oh, well, there Thank you go. <laughs> hey, man. We divas, <laughs> to remember. we divas don't beat around the bush. You know, We just get right to it. Well, I'm glad. There's only a, one diva here, just in you, case you were wondering. I know. There's one diva in a volleyball in the studio. That's all there is. Huh? Can I all be right. a soccer ball? I guess so. We'll, we'll allow you to be a soccer ball, Angelica. It looks like you have something to say. Would you like to add something? Well, yeah. Um, on Twitter, actually, some people had that question, too. So I, I'm, I'm glad that Lindsay had a chance to ask that question. Well, good. So Lindsay's in the forefront. Good for you, Lindsay. Well, thank you. All right. Do we have another caller from your class? Does somebody else want to get online and, uh, or get on the I, phone? I believe Carly has one more question for you. Okay, right. put Carly on so the phone. So here she is. Put Cloudy Sky on the phone for us. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Carly, are you there? Carly? Carly, Carly? Carly? Cloudy. Oh, I guess we lost Carly. Carly, Carly call us back. Dustin, you want to see if Hello? you can get her back? Oh, Hello? There she there? Is. is that Carly? Yeah, sorry, Wells Hall. You know how the services. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a question on behalf of the whole class. We've been talking about study abroad and language instruction there. So what role, if any, does explicit um, grammar instruction play in study abroad? What do you mean in study abroad? Let me see if I understand the question correctly. I mean, while you're studying uh, so abroad study, or before In you? the study abroad context, when we have language classes abroad, what role should or does or could explicit grammar instruction play in these settings? None whatsoever. It's not going to help you any more than it's going to help you here. It shouldn't. Not, and again, not in terms of acquisition. Now, now, let's distinguish explicit learning of grammar from explicit learning more generally because I can explicit learn things in a class like this is how you say X in German. Okay, like this is how you ask for something. And then if I hear, I, I'm more likely to be able to make use of that and understand it in context if I've had some of that mapping of form onto meaning in the classroom situation before I go out in the world outside the classroom, right? But that's much different than trying to learn rules and learn paradigms and learn verb endings and learn genders and case markings. It's, it's quite a different thing. And so there's one, there's explicit learning and there's explicit learning is what I'm saying. And so we want to focus right now on just the, the explicit learning of pieces and parts of language devoid of their meaning, which is often what happens in language classes. Um, and not and and that the the explicit learning of those things aren't even bootstrapping you into meaning per se. So even in a study abroad cost, uh, context, I would argue that context should make no difference. Again, it's like age, whether you're a 10 year old, a 12 year old, an 18 year old, a 32 year old, or 60 year old, whether you're 
in a classroom and outside the classroom, the language isn't spoken, whether you're in a classroom and outside the language is spoken, it shouldn't make any difference. Context should not affect what explicit learning of grammar does for acquisition. It does little to nothing. So from my perspective okay. and from the, my reading of all the research. Oh, I'm gonna hit. Okay. I'm gonna get hate mail after all this this conversation <laughs> today. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess uh, maybe we can let Carly go. I guess, and then I can make a comment if yeah. that's all right. Okay, Carly, thank you. For, thank you for for being the okay. moderator for your class here. Is that, are, is there anybody else from your class that's going to talk to us, or is that it? I think this is everyone. Does anyone else have a question? No, we're good. Okay. Oh. Well, we surely appreciate your call. Okay. Tell your teacher. Is your teacher Santa? Yeah, Senta, it's our teacher. Well, tell Senta thank you very well, much for allowing you to take time out of your class to call. We appreciate that. Okay, thank you so much for your answers. It really helped. Okay, and you guys are great. Keep up the good work there. All right, Bye, thanks. Okay, bye-bye, Bye. Carly. Okay, so okay, so my question, I guess, as a follow-up to that, so, so what would be then, uh, I mean, uh, students in a study abroad experience are obviously, for, particularly if they're going for the purposes of, of uh, developing language proficiency, you know, as part of their their uh, undergraduate studies or maybe even their graduate studies. So, what types of classes, if they're not taking classes um, in explicit grammar or other types of things like that, what types of classes do you think they uh, they are going to be? They should be taking in a, in a study abroad experience because obviously, I mean, I, I, you would certainly say that a study abroad experience is a positive experience, and they can't just go there and not right. study. So right, and it depends on their level, right? Doesn't it depend on their sure. level? Okay, so so uh, hopefully they'd be taking courses about things about the culture they're going to be living and interacting with, uh, about the people there, about history. They can take all kinds of content courses related to where they're studying. Um, they can. I mean, it just depends. And if, and at their lower level, they're more on the beginning side or low level proficiency um, learners of a language. Um, they can have courses that are communicative in nature and help them with the outside world. How do you navigate things in that outside mm -hmm. world when you're out there? So, is it helpful for them to process through maybe some of the input they're getting in the outside world? Is it helpful for them to process through some of those things that they may have questions about or didn't understand, perhaps? Yeah, or something um, exactly. Like that, and you can organize your classes to give them specific tasks to do in the outside world too. So, knowing what their level is, say. I think you can do this task. I'm going to send you out in the outside world, do your task, and then come back and report on it. Mm -hmm. So what your class becomes is like a practicum of, let's do this. You go outside in the world, do it, and you come back and tell us how what happened. And then through that, students will actually bring questions. Well, I think the person said the following. I was having difficulty with the person. Uh, and then through those negotiations of meaning inside the class, you can help learners start to uncover some of the meaning they're encountering mm -hmm. out there in the environment around them. So. Looks like we have the caller. By the way, bef before we take this next caller, just a reminder, we have a, 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 our SLA challenge um, quiz with our three items. If you don't call in and take the SLA challenge, you're not going to win our free prize. Just ask Lance. That's why he called in, and he's now our, 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 our 1A.1 number one fan. Um, <laughs> so he won the prize last week. So you call in and, and take our SLA challenge quiz. It's quick. It's easy. It's painless. And uh, you'll win a prize. So we've got Jason, it looks like, on the line somewhere. Um, do we have Jason somewhere waiting to talk to us? Jason, are you there on the line? Hi, yes, I'm here. Hey, um, Jason, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm calling to take that SLA challenge if no one else has signed up for it yet. You you want to do the SLA challenge? Jason, where are you calling from? Um, calling from Massachusetts. Oh wow! wow. Lots of Massachusetts people. Today. My God, you guys, you guys are like a little mafia there calling the BVP show, the TV BVP show. <laughs> Oh, that's right. We all got together and decided Massachusetts was going to call in. 
<laughs> I know that must be like a big billboard with my with my my face on it and says call T with BBP. <laughs> hey Jason, are you the Jason who switched his uh, school schedule to be able to listen? I'm sorry, this is Eric. Oh, this is Eric. Oh, it's Eric. Oh, okay. Then you are not the just, Jason. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is I. Sorry, I, no, I just I called and went directly to you guys. Oh, I didn't okay. expect that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we had a, there was the thing that popped up on my screen that said it was Jason calling in. So this is Eric calling in. All right, Eric. Eric. Yeah. You're going to take the SLA challenge quiz, right? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. All right, we've got three questions for you. You must answer all three white and uh, three right, and you will. <laughs> I know it's a long day. My gosh, I've been going at this all day. All right, um, you must answer all three correctly, and uh, mm -hmm. answering all three correctly, you will win a prize. Are you ready? Ready. Let's do it. Okay, number one. Which of the following inflections do ESL learners seem to acquire first, regardless of instruction, first language, and other external matters? A, ing, to mark progressive, as in... That I'm, one. I'm, wait a minute, I'm not done. <laughs> you got to hear the choices. Gosh, Eric, my God, you are quick out of the gate. I'd hate to, all right, all I'd right, hate all to right. date you, my God. Okay. Well, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> A is ing to mark progressive as in I am eating. B, s to mark third person singular present as in uh, Angelica eats. And C, able as in Walter is insatiable. All right, I'm uh, going to stick with A. Ing to mark progressive. Is that correct, Walter? Yes, that's correct. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. You ding, are ding. correct, Eric. Remember now. So you didn't even need the option. Yeah, you're going to need them now. Okay. Number <laughs> okay. two. What motivates learners to acquire do for yes-no questions in English? A. Can you give an example of that so it makes more sense? Yeah, what motivates, yeah, what motivates learners to acquire do for yes-no questions such as Do you No, like does Walter PVP? look like a volleyball? Yes or no? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A. Whether or not, whether or not they have something. Should I answer that? Is that a question? Does what? No, no, no. no, no, no. Please don't. Please no, don't. No. Okay. <laughs> so what, made, what motivates learners to acquire yes/no questions in English? A. Whether or not they have the, uh, something similar in the first language. B. The underlying realization that English verbs do not move to get tense features checked. C. Teachers who beat it into them with threats of punishment if they don't do it right. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with B. B, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. The underlying realization that English verbs do not move to get tense. That's why we have do in English as opposed to Spanish and French. Okay, another language is like that. All right. Okay, you're on a roll here. Let's get this last one correct, and you will win our prize for the day. Okay, okay. according to research by yours truly, that would mm. be the diva of SLA, why do learners of a second language initially misinterpret passive such as Walter was punched by Bill as Walter punched Bill. Is it A, the lexical preference I think principle? Walter's going to punch Bill. <laughs> Is it A, the lexical preference it's principle? The first noun principle? B, the first. Gee, Eric, let me see the choices. You're just, are you a ringer? Who call, who's the, geez. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> B, the first noun principle, and C, the learners are lazy principle. Not that one. Uh, the first noun principle. First noun principle, B. See, this is a comedy show. I had comedy items here. You're the last one. There you go. He's All the right. winner. Eric's the winner. Eric's going to get our Ooh. prize. Ooh. 
All, All right. right. You stay in the line, well, Eric. Yeah. You stay well, in the line, and Dustin will get your information well, you'll from out. you. You'll find out, Eric. It's yeah. a big surprise. It's All a right. big surprise. Uh, you stay in the line, and Dustin will get your information from you. Eric, you going to be at Actful? Uh, unfortunately, no. Gosh. My gosh. You could come by the booth and harass Even us there. Even next year, if it's in Boston, I'm still in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were Actful was in Boston a couple years ago, so uh, you missed that boat. All where right. Is it next year? I'm not even sure where it's going to be. I don't All right. recall. All right. Well, anything else from you, Eric? Are we done with you? You done with the quiz? You want anything else from us for the day? Um, I mean, I could comment for okay. you. Um, uh, how? Because you know, you don't want to take up everybody's time on the phone that you're taking the quiz. All right, go to someone else. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go to someone else. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling, okay. Eric. Eric, call. I'll pro- call in next week, Eric. I promise I'll talk to you All some right. more. Okay. All right. Bye, Eric. Bye, bye. Thanks, right. Eric. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, and is this correct? I'm looking at my screen again. There is. Do we actually have a caller named Jason on the line somewhere? Do we? Jason, are you there on Hello? the line? Jason. Hi. Can you hear me? Jason, I can hear you just fine. How are you doing? Great. Where are you calling from? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am great. I'm great here playing beach volleyball. Um, where are you calling from? <laughs> I'm calling from Laguna Beach, actually. Yay, Laguna Beach. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So are you on lunch break? Yeah. I actually switched. I switched my schedule um, with the teachers so I could I could hear the rest of the episodes. So. Oh well, great. Well, we don't have a lot of time. We have about five or six minutes before we have to start wrapping up. So, what do you got? What do you got sure. for us? What do you want to talk about? So, I just had a comment and and maybe a question. Um, I was teaching a as a TA. Um, this was years ago. I was teaching a beginning Spanish conversation class. Asked to teach the course. And I, the irony is that I, I had taken my methods class, had just read Crash and Terrell, Natural Approach, and was really struggling with how to make language acquisition happen. Um, and I was given the textbook for the beginning Spanish conversation class, a third semester course, and it was all grammar. Um, and it didn't really seem to jive with what I was learning about language acquisition. So... Uh, I, I was working in the language lab at the time, and they were running all of the episodes of Destinos on PBS. Uh-huh. And I, I, know, I know the guy who wrote that, that, by the way. And that <laughs> really helped me learn how to teach content um, and provide input. I really didn't know how to make input happen in the classroom. Um, so Destinos was like this huge vehicle for, for content for that class. And we, fortunately, I was able to switch everything around and uh, had support from um, my methods teacher, but it seems like, I guess the question would be, it seems like that it's almost counterintuitive that so many people have experienced language instruction um, or have taught with this building block approach where I've got to teach all of the pieces. Um, I have to teach the grammar. I have to teach the vocabulary explicitly with this idea that then eventually they'll be able to converse. They'll be able to put it together and communicate and um, I just wonder, how do we move away from that? How, how I guess your show is part of that, but um, how, how do we get more content in those textbooks? How, how do we provide teachers with more models for content so they can make language acquisition happen? Because often they just haven't seen it. Right, and, and, and that's the rub. It's a catch-22. I'm going to answer this in one minute, and then I'm going to have to um, have you stay in the line, and you know, I can chit-chat a little bit. After, because uh, we got it, we the show. We only have an hour for the show, so um, and then maybe what I can do is next week at Actful extend 
you know, uh, this. And maybe you can call in next week and we could actually have a greater conversation about this because I think you're asking a very important question. Let me just say this in, in one minute or less. And that is that without educating people who buy textbooks, your textbooks aren't going to get that content in them. People have to ask for that in textbooks. Okay, so because because publishing is a business and because textbooks are a business, um, they cater to consumers. So consumers have to ask for something different. Okay, so so what we need to do is talk about how that might happen and, and how it is it that we educate people so they can do that. Um, so I think you're asking something very important. So could I ask you for a favor, Jason? Can you stay in the line for a minute? And then sure. um, Dustin will keep you in the line. We're going to wrap up and end the show, and then I'll come back to you. And then uh, I think I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you. We're going to talk to you next week about this um, in our Actful show, okay? Because I think it's an important topic. We'll put you on first so that we can we can continue this because I think that we'll probably be talking about something very similar next week anyway, okay? So don't hang Great. up. Dustin will Dustin will put you on hold, and I'll be back with you in just a second, okay? All right. Um, thanks, Jason. Uh, we'll be talking to you next week. Um, remember again, everybody, that we'll be at Actful next week. We'll be at the Social Media Lounge, so stop by and look for us. Uh, we will be broadcasting November, uh, uh, November 21st, which is a Saturday, at 12 p.m. Pacific time, but our standard 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time time zone. Uh, we want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trego, for his work on our show, our media producer, Luca Giapponi, our able phone call manager and all-around muscle man, love this guy, Dustin DeFelice, our handsome and intelligent all-around assistant who's in the booth with them today, Jeffrey Maloney. We want to thank the Center for Language Teaching and Advancement, CELTA for short. We love CELTA. We want to thank the College of Arts and Letters for all their support here at Michigan State University. And as a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And before we say goodbye, we're going to take a call from Emma so she can say hello to us <laughs> as the music fades out. Emma, get on the line. Hi, DDT. Hey, it's our Emma. number one person, Emma. Hi, <laughs> Emma. Emma, finally. Okay, Emma, we're going to chat with you as, as Daniel puts the music on and we start to fade out. So we're so glad you called. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm glad that Lance was here, too. Hi, Lance. <laughs> yeah, um, he's driving in his car. I, I don't think he's Thank you it. very much for the shout-out on Twitter. It was on my birthday, so it was, it was so sweet of you oh. to say that I was your number one fan. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, it was nice. Happy sweet. birthday. I don't think that was intentional, though, Emma, just so you know. No. Of course it was. <laughs> just because you forgot it was our month anniversary doesn't mean that. I don't forget things like this. <laughs> No. no, seriously. And a happy birthday. Belated and I also wanted to mention really quick that a lot of us on Mixler were talking about um, getting some more research if we're continuing this conversation into next week. Mm -hmm. um, I know in my classes that's, that's something that we're really struggling with. I'm in a class of future language educators, and we've been um, we've had a fair bit of explicit instruction in the past, and we're trying to be on the cusp of language teaching, but it's hard to do that when all we've seen is explicit. So right. if there's any way you can... Introduce some more of that next week. That would be fantastic. Okay, well, I think actually what we're going to do, so I'm going to wrap up and, and, and tell Emma thanks for bringing that up because next week at ACTFL we're going to be talking about the same topic. We're going to be talking about this role of explicit teaching and practice. We're also going to focus on practice next week, so not just what teachers are doing, but what we're making learners do. So, Will, with that, we're going to say goodbye to you and uh, wish you a very, very happy rest of the week. A very happy weekend is coming up. I hope you're having better weather than we are. And wherever you are, a happy second language acquisition to all of you. Adios, amigos. And bye. I'm going to take my volleyball and head to the beach. Come on, volleyball. Let's go.